On today's episode, we have Margaret Blair Bennett, doctor of physical therapy, talking about one of her specialties, concussions. According to an NPR poll, almost a quarter of U.S. adults admit to having at least one concussion during their lifetime. A third of those said they'd had two or three concussions, and 16% admit to four or more. What are concussions? What are their effects? What should you do when you have a concussion? Some of her answers are surprising, and there is a ton of interesting information here. This is part one of a two-part episode with the continuation coming out next week. Want to get amazing insights and perspectives from local health and fitness professionals here in Jackson Hole? This is the podcast, and I am your host, Dr. Laura Wright. Margaret, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to be talking to you today. I've heard so many wonderful things about you from our mutual patients, and it is a pleasure to finally talk to you. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm doing great. It's a beautiful November day here in Jackson, and um, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit. What's your background? Where are you from? What led you to physical therapy? So I grew up originally in New York, uh, of New York, so about 45 minutes north of New York City. Mm-hmm. Grew up there, lived there my whole life. In 2014, I left and went to PT school in Provo, Utah. I got my doctorate out of Rocky Mountain University of Health Professions. During my coursework, my final year of school was a clinical rotation with the U.S. Air Force. Oh, cool. So I worked for the Air Force for a year prior to graduation. Uh, always wanted to be a physical therapist. I was really fortunate in that calling at a very early age. Mm-hmm. I played a lot of sports. I focused on softball. I achieved a Division One softball scholarship. Um, I went to Stony Brook University on Long Island cool. and really just loved the idea of helping people with self-efficacy, education, movement, um, and really try to stay away from the needles, knives, and pills Mm -hmm. of the other medical professions and really wanted to help people with with self-help and self-efficacy. What what do you mean by self-efficacy? So empowerment, empowerment of people to give them the tools they need to achieve the goals that they want to achieve. If they're not able to move as well as they want to because of pain or limitations, I want to give them the tools that I know that I've learned to help them achieve their goals. Awesome. So how do you practice PT and what are your areas of specialty? I practice in an outpatient setting. Uh, I work at Teton PT and Rehab. It's in the professional office buildings of uh, St. John's Hospital. We are the hospital-based outpatient, which mm-hmm. means that we see a lot of hospital employees and patients that may have been hospitalized and now they are looking for transitional care so that they can work and live um, in the community without any impairments. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and I've worked in outpatient pretty much my whole career. I started as a travel physical therapist and I worked in different settings around the country I've worked in skilled nursing, I've worked in acute care, but outpatient's always kind of been my calling. I really belonged and thrived. So I work in outpatient now, 
And my specialty is working with patients who have sustained a concussion mm-hmm. or have a vestibular component uh, that's causing them to have impairments in their life. So vestibular work tends to be people that are chronically dizzy. If you are dizzy all the time or you have motion sickness or um, you hit your head and now you feel really, really dizzy when you get up out of bed, those are kind of things that I, I focus my work on. What is the vestibular system? Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, I can try. <laughs> yeah, I was going <laughs> to say is. not to put you on the spot. <laughs> but. Yeah, so uh, the vestibular system is a very small organ. You have two you have two organs in your inner ear. Um, it's a complex component of balance. So your balance system is comprised of three different systems that work together so that it keeps you upright and keeps mm-hmm. your balance. One of those systems is vision. One of those systems is your vestibular system. And one of those systems is your sense of where you are in space, your somatosensory proprioception system. So those three systems work together and communicate with the brain and keep you balanced. The vestibular system is really important in that because it tells your brain where your head is in space. So if you turn your head to the left, certain things within the system move and tell your brain, we move to the left and that's mm-hmm. a normal movement and that's safe and not scary and you don't feel dizzy. Well, if your, if your vestibular system is not working perfectly, you could turn your head to the left and it could feel as if you just spun around in a merry-go-round at 100 miles an hour instead of just turning your head to the left really nice and slow and safe. So when your brain gets this message mm-hmm. that you've just spun around in a merry-go-round at 100 miles an hour, your brain tries to correct that. And when it tries to correct it, that's when you feel dizzy. So really trying to hone in on the components of the vestibular system. Why is it not relaying the proper message to the brain and recalibrating it in a way so that it could work properly for you? How did you get into that? Do you have a history of a concussion or concussions or just something you saw a lot and were really interested in? Uh, both, you know, I sure I definitely have been concussed um, fair, too many times, and but also when I started out, I was a travel physical therapist, as I said. And when you work in so many different settings, I you don't want to you don't want to just focus all of your continuing education time to one area. Mm-hmm. So the vestibular system and concussions in general, they across the lifespan. You can have a concussion at five, you can have one at 105. You can have different impairments throughout that whole course of a concussion and rehab. So really focusing on that area of physical therapy was something that I wanted to do because I knew I could relay that across all of the fields of physical therapy. Mm -hmm. And when I started going down this route, I still was a travel therapist. So I wanted things that I could use in different settings. Got it. Very cool. Um, Yeah, let's talk some about concussions. I think I sent you another person or referred your, gave your name to somebody else yesterday who had a concussion. Oh, great. I was like, okay, (laughs) you need to go see someone else because it's bad enough. Um, When somebody gets a concussion, do they, do they immediately need to see a concussion specialist or how do they know 
kind of severity and if they need to see someone? And maybe what is a concussion or a TBI? Sure. So first, let's uh, go over what is a concussion. So a concussion is a moment where your body does not necessarily need to be your head, but your body or head are provided enough force that your head moves in such a, a way or a, a speed that inside the brain will actually stretch and shear. So I know that sounds like scary words, but that's what's happening. Your brain is essentially moving in such a way that the, the axons or the nerves inside the brain are stretching. So when that occurs, things that typically live inside the axon and things that live outside switch. So we think back in elementary school or middle school or high school, you'll think about having um, ions. So you have positive ions and negative ions, and you have these different elements and components mm-hmm. in, your, in your body and things that are supposed to live outside of a cell and things that are supposed to live inside of a cell. And when they live where they're supposed to, everything feels really good. But when you have a concussion, the mechanisms that control things that live outside and inside open up wider than they're supposed to. So when things open up too wide, then we have a mesh of things moving where they're not supposed to be moving. And that's why we're left with feelings of headache and dizziness and nausea and fatigue and all of this overwhelm in our brain because things are where they're not supposed to be and they're not happy there. Mm -hmm. So... With that being said, that's a concussion, essentially, is the, ability, the, the stretching and the movement of molecules to places where they're not supposed to be. And are concussions and TBIs we, the same thing? So, yes, the concussion is a mild traumatic brain injury. Okay. Yep. So, it's a mild traumatic brain injury. There is no cell death. When we start going into severe traumatic brain injury and things like that, that's when we start to have cellular death because so much of those things have been mismatched that the cell can no longer thrive. Mm-hmm. We're not there. That's not what a concussion is. A concussion is just this little microscopic mismatch of, of ions and things living in cells that don't want to be there. Um, so that's what a concussion is. And typically, you know, that whole cellular change will have a, a nice bell curve of time of injury to time of homeostasis, where everything has gone back to where it wants to be. Mm-hmm. And that typically takes about 30 days. So on a cellular level, your concussion can resolve within 30 days, give or take, as long as there's been no other injury or no other major impact to the body. Mm-hmm. However, symptoms do last longer than 30 days. You know, both of us have seen patients that have had concussions and they're six months later and they still have headaches, right? Mm -hmm. So why is that happening? And typically that happens because they haven't been seen soon enough. The importance of being seen by a concussion therapist is really important. It's so important in the beginning stages. Concussions last longer than they need to because we try to shield ourselves from the symptom. In the past, people have been told, stay in a dark room for six weeks, and when you come out, you'll feel fine, as if the darkness is this magical cure. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, that dark room is making you worse. 
So we need to move, we need to get out into the sunlight, we need to listen to music, we need to do some schoolwork, we need to do some work, mm-hmm. um, but not too much. It's a very fine line. Uh, and when we see patients that have gone on too long of, of isolation, that's when their symptoms last a lot longer than that 30 okay. day mark. Yeah, so kind of two, two-parted, that's kind of what a concussion is and then how important it is to see somebody is we want to see a, a, a medical doctor, urgent care, your primary care physician, emergent care. You want to see somebody in the you know, medical field, a, a physician within one to two days okay. of your event. They can rule out anything that's really scary. They can rule out a fracture of the skull. They can rule out you know, brain, brain bleeds, those really scary things. They can rule those out because they have the ability to order an MRI or an x-ray, a CT scan. They can order imaging. So you see one of them first. You get the bill of health that nothing really scary happened. Now is the time to get into a licensed concussion therapist. So within that three, four-day mark of having your injuries when you really should be seeing somebody that has taken a lot of courses in concussion rehab. So everyone who has a concussion should be going through that route, even if they're like, oh, it was, right. I see a lot of people, oh, it wasn't a big deal. I, you know, I hit my head and I'm just a little bit dizzy and headachey. Sure. I mean, I think, I think that there's a big phenomena happening right now of over diagnosis of concussions. Mm-hmm. So Concussion requires a lot of force to occur. You know, we're talking about stretching of brain cells. Our brain is so protected and there's so much redundancy in our skull and in our brains to prevent that from happening. So in order for you to even sustain that much stretching, there's a significant amount of force that's required. Mm -hmm. Some research says that it it requires 70 to 120 Gs of force Mm -hmm. to do that, to stretch your cells. Um, to kind of put that in terms that we understand, a airbag deployment in a car crash is at 60 Gs. Okay. So you need to be in a car accident to the point that the airbags deploy, and that all of that force needs to go straight to your, your neck, and you have a bobblehead effect on your head, mm-hmm. and then you get that stretching. I mean, this is a lot of stretching. This is a lot of force. So it's not, oh, I bought my head walking up the stairs. It's, I took a huge fall coming down the ski, you know, whole yard sale on the mountain and lost everything and, and bumped my head and, you know, severe. So if you hit your head walking up the stairs and you kind of feel a little headachey, probably don't have a concussion. Now, if that lasts for two to three days, you probably have a neck strain mm-hmm. and your neck is causing you to have your headache. So sure, see somebody, you can see Cairo, you can see a PT, um, you know, and try to get some, some help with your headache. But is it from a concussion? Probably not. If you have any question and you're concerned about it, please do see a, a you know, concussion specialist. We have special, you know, tests and measures that we do to be able to diagnose and come up with a solid plan for you. I would say, of the time that I see a patient that came in for concussion referral, it's more likely whiplash. Mm -hmm. It's more likely neck pain than an actual concussion. Yeah. So, yeah. 
I mean, we, we work on whiplash, so I try to send you to people who are like, are having difficulty with words and right. like that. So how yeah. long you said concussion stability heal 30 days. Does it, is it different for like kids versus adults versus the elderly and how do yeah, how do concussions vary in different populations? Sure. Yeah. The, again, that, that the metabolic recovery is 30 days. So I don't want people thinking, oh, I've had a concussion six months ago and I still have a headache. My concussion was severe or yeah. something like that. That's not the case. You know, so metabolic recovery will happen in 30 days if there's no other event. Mm -hmm. The longer lasting symptoms, that has a lot to do with time that you saw a concussion therapist. If you see a concussion therapist within, you know, one week of your injury, your projection for recovery is a lot better than if your concussion was six months ago. So in order to recover from your concussion faster, get in to see somebody faster. Now, when it goes across the age, uh, age ranges, you know, kids recover so fast from everything. They're amazing. So um, typically a kiddo will recover quicker um, and their symptoms will vary. You know, it really all depends on history. You know, what we find a lot is if someone has a history of migraines, their main symptom of concussion will be headache. Mm -hmm. If someone has a history of anxiety, their main um, concussion symptom will be anxiety and overwhelm. And then they're referred to a psychologist. You know, and if, they're, if they've had motion sickness in the past, then their main symptom will be motion sickness, dizziness. Mm -hmm. So it really is based on whatever the patient's background is and their history. And then we can see where their symptoms are now and, you know, treat whatever needs to be treated. And then what, what do you do for treatment? Because I know, right, concussion treatment has just made tons of progressions. Sure. Yeah, it has um, in some ways. And in other ways, I, I wish it was a little bit more structured. You know, right now, uh, the APTA, the American Physical Therapy Association, mm -hmm. has put out uh, clinical prediction guidelines, um, the documents that they put out about a variety of different impairments and pain, and they have things for, ev for everything. And they, they just made a, a CPG, a clinical prediction guideline for concussion, mm -hmm. how to diagnose concussion, how to treat concussion. And in the end, it says, you know, summarize, you do these certain tests, and then you treat what you find. And there's nothing that says, this is exactly what to do, mm -hmm. which is great because we all treat patients differently, but it also shows that there's not enough research to say, this is a home run treatment. This is how you treat this. You know, we have things like that for low back pain or shoulder pain mm -hmm. and things like that. We have these home runs. If someone presents with X, Y, and Z, you do A, B, and C, and they'll get better. And that's kind of how a lot of the APTA has tried to format the physical therapy profession. Concussion's not like that. So we are left with doing these tests, finding things, and then treating it. So I kind of highlighted it. The concussion um, main big factors that physical therapists can help with are headache, dizziness, balance, and vision changes. Mm -hmm have special tests 
that we can do to assess all four of those different areas. And based on what we find, then we can help you. The thing about concussion treatment is that we are constantly finding something that causes the patient to feel their dizziness, for example. Mm -hmm. You find something to cause your dizziness. Mm -hmm. That's your main symptom. You feel dizzy when you turn your head back and forth like you're shaking your head now. That makes you dizzy. Well, that's your treatment. So unfortunately, what makes you dizzy people don't love is it. Yeah. what you have to do to feel better. So people are not too pumped about doing their home exercise program for sure. But it's all about graded exposure. So if your symptoms are turning your head left to right, then you have to turn your head left to right to the point where you start to feel a little uncomfortable, a little dizzy, and then you stop and you let those symptoms come back down and then you feel fine and then you do it again and you feel a little uncomfortable and a little dizzy and then you bring it back down. So it's this constant, at the clinic we use a, a stoplight analogy, you know, red, yellow, and green. So red is super dizzy, not able to stand, you're leaning against the wall, you know, you just went on a roller coaster ride and you're just so dizzy and you feel nauseous. We never want to get there in therapy. That is an area we never want to go, um, but we know where that point is. The yellow is this, okay, I feel a little dizzy, but I'm not, I'm not going to throw up. I feel okay, and if I was to stop doing this task, I, I know I could get back into the green pretty quickly. And the green is, I feel fine, I don't feel dizzy at all, or maybe just one out of ten dizzy, just a little bit of dizziness, but nothing, nothing, I can live with this for the rest of my life. What we do in rehab is find those things that bring you to the yellow, and then you go from yellow to green, yellow to green, yellow to green, over and over and over again throughout your day, and eventually the task that brought you to that yellow is no longer making you dizzy at all. So you've habituated yourself, and you've, it's called graded exposure in yourself to perform a task that once was really symptom-inducing no longer is. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Do you work when, with when someone has difficulty with words or do you send that to a speech language pathologist? That was after my concussion. That was my most lasting symptom was like, I just didn't know words anymore. Sure. Yeah. I send all, everybody that's having symptoms um, with memory or word finding or executive function. So issues with not being able to plan your day, you know, in the past you were able to multitask like a champ. Mm -hmm. And now you can't make coffee and get the eggs going on the stove at the same time. That's too much for you. So people that are having those types of problems um, or impairments, I send them to our cognitive speech therapist, Chris Smithwick, okay. who works in our same office um, at Teton PT Rehab, and he's an excellent resource. And honestly, the concussion program that we have would not be able to thrive or be in existence without Chris. He is a huge factor in this and um, really is the glue that holds it together because concussions are not just physical impairments. They're not just headaches and dizziness. 90% mm -hmm. of the people I see, see Chris as well. And Chris okay. sees more patients for concussion than I do. Okay. Um, he, his, his concussion you know, schedule is, has way more patients on it than mine does. What other areas are there? You said, you said psychologists you send people to as well. So speech language mm -hmm. pathologists, yeah, so are there other common things we, that work together? Yeah, we will, 
Um, there's some, it, it really depends on the patient's um, situation. So also at TSOM PT Rehab, we have a wealth of occupational therapists and they can perform driving evaluations. So, which is a huge asset. We have patients that maybe they sustain their concussion in a car accident mm -hmm. and they're feeling very overwhelmed to get back behind the wheel of a car. I'll refer that patient to our occupational therapist and they can perform a driving evaluation with, with Megan, Megan Mary and our, our OT and outpatient. Um, they can, even if they're just, you know, working through problems and working through the therapist is a great resource to help categorize what they need to do during their day. Um, occupational therapists always get a, a weird repre representation of just helping someone go back to work. And uh, that's not the case at all. You know, they, they help you with your activities of daily living. Mm -hmm. So if you had no problem with, you know, getting dressed and taking a shower, now an, an, an OT can help you figure out, okay, let's plan what you're wearing for the day so that it's set before you go into your shower. Because when you get out of your shower, if you're too overwhelmed to get dressed, then your whole day is thrown off because you yes. can't even get dressed. So they can help you plan and help you categorize what needs to happen throughout your day. Then how do multiple concussions affect people? Your, you know, second impact syndrome, let's talk a little bit about that. And then when somebody sustains, you know, 10 or 12 or more concussions throughout their lifespan. Sure. Uh, so the research on that is also coming out. Uh, one of the things that I've subscribed to in the courses I've taken it shows that that 30-day window of metabolic recovery is the most important. So if you sustain a concussion within that 30-day window before metabolic recovery has occurred, then your likelihood of having that secondary syndrome or worse symptoms or, you know, the worst case scenario would be cell death, that can occur if you've had a second injury in that 30 days, give or take a couple, you know, weeks or so. So if we think about that bell curve and we have our injury and we drop down and around day seven to 15, you're at your lowest energy level. You're at the most um, crucial point in your recovery because you're at the lowest level of your energy and your cells. And then around day 15, it starts to come back up to day 30 and then everything's back and we're all happy and, and everything's living the way mm -hmm. it should. So if you have an injury around day 20, so we've reached the bottom of our barrel curve, we're coming back up, and you have another injury. Instead of going, continuing to go up, you have another drop. And that drop will be lower than your initial energy drop in the cell. You will come back up to that happy homeostatic place, but instead of taking 30 days, it could take 90 days or 120 days. It just takes longer. Now, the re so that's if you've had an injury within that window where metabolic covers not. Mm -hmm. The same research shows that if you have an injury on after that after that metabolic recovery has occurred. So say you have your injury on day forty, mm -hmm. and you never had an injury. You know you're safe. Day forty, your cells should be back where they were. So in your energy level, the depletion of the energy within the cell is going to occur at the same rate as the original injury did. Now, has your neck strain recovered? 
Maybe not. Has your balance recovered? Maybe not. So your symptoms may feel worse because you haven't addressed upon enough the physical injury that occurred to the body. But on the cell level, the brain's going to react the exact same way. So if you have an injury, one injury a year for 12 years, you've had 12 concussions, your neck may be totally jacked up and you have a lot of neck pain, but your brain isn't going to have this any more likelihood of, of cell death or cell damage than anybody else because it's had that, that chance to recover. If you've had 12 concussions in 12 weeks, one a week for 12 weeks, that's when we start to see major changes in the brain and its function and its ability to recover. And is that what's happened in major league sports, you know, for football, for example, and why they've implemented so many new rules to protect against concussions? Is it that they were getting them all on top of each other and playing within that 30 day window? I, I think so. You know, it's hard for me to say I'm not there making those, those game day decisions, mm -hmm. but that is what the research is showing now that, you know, you can have 12 concussions in your lifetime as long as they're spread out. But it's when you have them week after week that we see those lasting changes. There's more research that needs to be done, you know, in that there was a movie concussion and there's lots of things, you know, big words like uh, tease, tra uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy and all right. these big crazy medical terms. Um, but what we, what a lot of the research now is coming out is saying, you know, CTE is occurring in people that have never had a concussion. It's occurring in people that were swimmers. So oh, interesting. swimmers I didn't know that. <laughs> don't have a likelihood of concussions. Yeah. So the CTE is, they're talking about this protein is called tau and it's this mm -hmm. really thick protein that's within the brain. And when protein, thick proteins take up the space of the brain that nerves need to be follow, going through, it, 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 slows everything, it slows everything down. You know, things that, connections aren't being made as quickly as they could because they have this really thick protein in the middle mucking up the work. Mm -hmm. Now, swimmers have just as much tau protein as a football player. So, but a swimmer is not getting the concussions like a football player is. So why are they getting it? And one thing that they're seeing is that athletes in general produce more tap. Oh, interesting. Having, being yeah. an athlete, you are developing this type of protein. So is it the tau that's causing the football player 30 years after they've retired to have a breakdown? Mm -hmm. Is it the tau? Is it the concussion? Is it lifestyle? You know, we, we don't know yet. And that's really interesting research that's coming out now. Um, and just kind of showing that we can, we can really focus on this one really cool finding, but in the end, is that really the finding that's causing this, this you know, outburst of someone's um, personality change later in life? We, yeah. we don't know. Uh, but I think, you know, I, it's a, and knowing all of this and having this background, I can understand why there is this huge push for diagnosis of concussion. I mean, the like the chance that having a concussion could cause this type of emotional out, outburst. I mean, it's a really easy way to say, well, let's just avoid the concussion and then we won't have this because if a concussion could even lead to it, even in a 1% chance, 
well then yeah let's just let's just do some things so we can get rid of concussion so mm-hmm. i can see the validity in it on both sides of the coin where is it the actual concussion that's causing this or if there's even a chance that it could cause it let's do what we can to decrease the chance Right. And hopefully it's not just being, you know, an athlete because we've got a lot of athletes in this town. So. Sure. And, you know, and it's not necessary. And then I think that's the other point of it too, is that is, is this tau protein even what's causing the physical, the emotional right. outburst? It might not, might not even be, you know, it might just be this natural formation that occurs in our brain. And now we're learning about it because we have a reason to look for it mm-hmm. where it could just be this protein that's in there and, no problem. And it just lives, it just lives in our brain and no big deal, you know, and it's no problem at all. It has nothing to do with the actual, you know, outburst, emotional outburst that's occurring. Um, We don't know. So short of that is that we, we just don't know. That is, that's super fascinating. Thanks for listening to Health in the Hole. If you liked it, please subscribe so you can hear the next episodes. And remember, this podcast is not medical advice. Consult your healthcare provider before doing anything drastic. Today's episode is sponsored by JH Backcountry Health. We are not your typical chiropractor. It's not snap, crackle, pop, and you are out. As sports chiropractors, our treatment goes far beyond the simple chiropractic adjustment, working into the muscles, fascia, ligaments, and tendons that are affected. Our goal isn't to figure out what hurts, but why it hurts, and to work with you to remedy that and get you back playing in the mountains. To find out more, check out our website, jhbackcountryhealth.com.